Our scripture this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. It is a very, very, very familiar story. But sometimes the stories from scripture become so well known that we might possibly miss something. So from time to time, it's important to go back and to read those stories and to study those stories and to pull out what God has for us in the scriptures. So here this morning, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by. On the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we hear this old familiar story, show us our place in this scripture and lead us from that place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I was hungry. And you formed a humanities club. Thank you. I was imprisoned. And you crept off quietly to pray for my release. 
Nice. I was naked. And in your mind, you debated the morality of my appearance. What good did that do? I was sick. And you knelt and thanked God for your own health. But I needed you. I was homeless. And you preached to me of the shelter of God's love. I wish you had taken me home. I was lonely. And you left me alone to pray for me. Why didn't you stay? You seem so holy and so close to God, but I'm still very hungry, lonely, cold, and still in pain. Does it matter? I wanted to ask you this morning, what do you usually think about, or maybe who do you usually think about, when you hear the word neighbor? Do you think of the person who lives next door? Or maybe the widow down the street? You know, once upon a time here in the United States, there was a time when everybody knew the people who lived around them. I used to live next door to Jimmy and Ann Wallace and their daughter, Diane. I lived up the street from Anita Higgins, and across the street lived Billy Collins and his parents. Now, in a community like Lake Martin or Dadeville, some of you may still do know your neighbors by name. But then again, that may not be the case. In the community where I served before I came here to Red Ridge, there was a police officer in my congregation, and she began a program in the community called Are You Okay? And the majority of Joy's time was spent going around the community, visiting those who were widowed, who perhaps did not live close to family, who needed to have someone to check on them regularly. It was a wonderful program. She was recognized in our county for starting this program. And Joy truly had a heart for what she was doing. But I can't help but think that if we truly lived out the scriptures, there might not be a need 
for programs such as Joy's. If the, ne if the person who lives next door to us or down the street from us is our definition of neighbor, then I'm sure our attorney from our scriptures could puff up his chest thinking that he was exempt from this law of Jesus and the loving of his neighbor. In our parable this morning, though, Jesus gives us a new understanding, a different understanding of a neighbor. And listen to this. A neighbor who is one who is in need of your assistance, given out of love. A neighbor is one who is in need of assistance, your assistance given out of love. You know, sometimes we as church members might have that tendency to excuse ourselves from helping those that are suffering because there's not really a connection with us personally. Now, we donate to this project and to this mission and when Jackie puts a call out for the help fund, we're all right there. But there's no personal connection to the people in our community. And I dare say that even if you give regularly to one of our missions here at the church, I dare say you even know by name the people that have need of those funds. I need a little audience participation, if you will, this morning. And you can just call it out when I ask the question. You don't have to raise your hand. We're not in class. Tell me the first thing that comes into your mind when you hear that word evangelist. Preacher. Somebody said something out here I missed. Scary. Scary. Oh. <laughs> what else? What comes to your mind when you hear the word evangelist? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. That's a much better image than what comes into my mind when I think of an evangelist who looks like a used car salesman. No offense to used car salesmen. <laughs> The word evangelist comes from a Greek word that means to bring good news. To bring good news. Now, I don't know about John and, and Dan, but sometimes we use evangelist in our church to say things that we ourselves might not normally say. So we bring in an evangelist for a revival to speak those words for us. But an evangelist means to bring good news. And that is usually to our neighbors. You know, I think over the years that our idea of the mission of the church has gotten 
just a little skewed, maybe just a little distorted, if you will. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and as long as I have been in the ministry, I have grown a little weary, if you will, about the push to always be focusing on the numbers. It's the church's job to focus on the numbers. Well, your numbers were down this week. What happened? And how many professions of faith have you had? Well, if you haven't had a profession of faith in over a year, you must be a part of a dying church. It's all about the numbers. But a couple of years ago, a former district superintendent of mine had a little different perspective on the idea of numbers. He says that numbers are important because the number of people around us where we are who have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Wow. So our neighbors could be the ones that we care enough about to share Jesus with. To share Jesus with. How many times have you been asked the question or posed the question yourself or even seen the question on a billboard that asks... If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? I've seen that. I've heard that. I've spoke that. But the older I become, and don't get me wrong, that's a very important question. But to my way of thinking, that is not the most important question. I think the question that we need to be asking is if you lived another 20 years, would it matter? If you lived another 20 years, would it matter? A couple of weeks ago, I had Jackie to put a quote in the bulletin. And I don't know if you saw it or not. The quote was this. Are we the best church in the community? Or are we the best church for the community? Did anybody remember seeing that quote? or reading it, or even thinking about it. Now, I didn't say anything about that quote. I, I guess in my hearts of hearts, I had hoped that someone might read that quote and think about it and comment about it. 
And I'm not even going to go down the road. Well, people don't read their bulletins anyway. Says every church secretary <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? So that the good news of Jesus Christ can be known. What are we doing as a church so that the good news can be known? And if you think about that for a minute, it brings us right back around full circle to who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? If our churches are still together in another 20 years, will it have made a difference? In the book of Acts at Pentecost, where the birth of the church happened, it talks about all of the people who heard the good news, who repented of their sins, and were saved. Those who welcomed the message of the disciples were baptized and added as members of the church. What does that look like today, though? We wait for people to come to us. We bought into that adage from the movie, if you build it, they will come. Or we wait until we're made aware of a problem or a tragedy or a situation and then we decide whether we're going to help or not. I want us to take a real honest look at ourselves this morning. Do you have relationships that are outside of the church? Do you know people well enough to know what their real needs are and not just when they come for help? The unchurched in our community need to know that we are sent by God to help them. We can't wait on them to come to us. A lot of people rest in the mindset that, well, I'll just let the preacher preach to me, and if it touches my heart, then I'll do something. And we leave the job with the preacher. The thing about that is, 
preachers are the world's best worst at only being around other Christians. We do not have the opportunities that you do in your everyday life to influence somebody and to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute. And I got to tell you, when I first came to this district, the district superintendent that we had at that time, he kind of challenged each of his ministers in this district. And he said, I want you to spend at least six hours a week doing ministry in the community that is outside of what your church does. That was a pretty tall order. Especially if you're new in the community and you're new to a church and you don't know what all they do. I, I can remember kind of smiling to myself as I began to learn about the ministries here at Red Ridge. And I thought, What's left? <laughs> Red Ridge seems to do it all. And yet, there are still people in the community who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to be about our Father's business. And that means to evangelize, to bring the good news in whatever way we can. One of my favorite church signs, and I like to read church signs. Churches can get really creative sometimes. But my very favorite one that has stuck with me through the years is to preach the good news always. Use words only when necessary. Think about that. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Preach the good news always. Use words only when necessary. Do people know that you are a Christian? Now, Notice I didn't say, do people know that you're a member of a church? Do people know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? How do they know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? And then I guess the next question is, why do they not know? Why do they not know? And if they don't know, how can you make a difference in their lives? These are all important questions that I think we all each must answer for ourselves. There does need to be some accountability for us as Christians. Many times we may find that we are falling short or falling down on our jobs. 
And if we find that within ourselves, not someone else telling us, but when we find that in ourselves, it's time to recalibrate, to readjust, to get things back the way they need to be. How can we be followers of Christ if nobody knows we're following him? If we're not doing the things that he did. It is our job to go and make disciples. It is our job to make sure that the gospel of Jesus Christ is spread to all of those that we possibly can who don't know Jesus. So I'm going to leave you with a challenge this morning. As you leave God's house, go home. And I want you to find ways to make a difference in the place that you live. Now, that's not just necessarily your physical address. It's the places you go, your job, your civic club, your community involvement. All of those places where you find yourself on a daily basis, find ways to tell the people that you come in contact with about the love of God and tell it in a way that only you can because the truth is if we are being the church then people will know that the church is being and we won't have to second guess whether we're doing our jobs as Christians. Because the evidence is in our lifestyle. Let us pray. Father God, you have spoken words of truth this morning through your word, through our hearts. Lord, don't let us leave those words here. Burn them in our hearts and in our souls, in our words, in our steps, in our actions. Lord, so that we can't walk away from your truth, but we can walk in the way of your truth. You've prepared us, Lord. Now send us out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.